Welcome to the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Lindsay Behrens, and this is our year-end episode where we gather our most frequent contributors and talk all about the best and worst of what we saw at the theater this year. If you enjoy this podcast, we would be extremely grateful if you would go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating and a comment. We really appreciate your feedback, and it is extremely helpful to Maxmoo. This is the second half of our two-part episode. In this half, we take listener questions. Enjoy the show. All right, we are back. We're going to do listener questions. Not everyone will have an answer to every question, so feel free to skip. That's totally fine. Let's start with something we discuss a lot on Twitter. (laughs) Once and for all, who has the comfiest seats in New York City? Jack, you must start this because it is your passion. Yeah, because I think that I uh, will regret my life as a whole, however long it lasts, if I don't someday either start a blog or write a book about seat comfiness and seat structure because ladies and gentlemen there's a lot of things that go into the perfect theater seat i mean we're talking about the height of the seat back we're talking about cushion we're talking about leg room we're talking about lateral space all these things um i think that unequivocally the best seats uh in uh town is at the wild project they um the wild project has uh is it is the goldilocks zone of all of those categories that uh, i mentioned before i do also want to call out playwrights horizons because their main stage has crazy comfy seats my argument is that they're too comfortable i think you can fall asleep in those seats super easily and i don't think that that is a good idea i don't know that that's the seats mm. fault yeah i was about to say that <laughs> <laughs> They're okay. just like, they're, they're Barca loungers. I don't want it. I actually have an objection to that. Oh, do you? Because I was at Playwrights. Do whatever you need to do to that microphone. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it, go. I was at Playwrights yesterday, and I agree that the structure of the seat is comfortable, but the room for your legs there is so minimal. I actually think it's Agreed. one of the worst keep, keep in mind. theaters in the city for that purpose. I can't even keep my legs at a right angle. Yeah, and I understand that I'm at a certain advantage when it comes to leg room and that I, <laughs> I'm in no position to speak about it because I don't require a lot. But I, so I hear that. I hear what you're saying. If I try and cross my legs. This happened when I was at Marjorie Prime. I went to cross my legs and I kicked the arm of the man in front of me who had set his <laughs> on the back like twice. It was bad, um, and I was embarrassed. Um, I want to throw out, because I thought about this a lot. I have not been to the Wild Project. Um, the bench seats at Teatro Say at the Clemente. Yeah. I love those. those it's a padded bad. bench with a padded bench back, which also means there's no armrests. You can kind of like take up whatever room you're going to take up. There's a good amount of leg room. liked that a lot. Also, remind you of uh, Spectrum, the fringe venue that we went to, where we sat in leather armchairs. That was great. I mean, t- to be fair, that was an apartment, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I looked it up. They consider themselves a venue, so I'm going to count those as theater seats. All right, fair enough. No, I, 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 I did, was sitting I did in my a research. literal barca lounger in, yes. that, in that show. Yes. Yeah. I sat in a leather love seat with a couple that did not want me there. That's fun. <laughs> I would love to discuss the theaters with the worst seats. Oh, Just a lot. What's the, the one in Soho that I hate? Soho Rep? The Playhouse? Playhouse. 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 Oh, those yeah. are terrible. They, they are, they're uncomfortable. They are so close together. I don't believe human beings fit in them. I need to yeah. have like a row to myself to be yeah. able to like, I, I need to spread like the worst man spreader just because there's no other way my body fits in those. Yeah. You know, now that you mentioned it, though, because I think when we saw a show there, my seat broke. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I had to move. Because, I think that was a, the, the Soho like Playhouse it. where the seat bottom like 
tipped to the side and I had to move to a new seat. So, yikes. Anyone else have anything to add on theater seats? Or is worst or best? Either. Either one. Uh, the flea downstairs. Why am I sitting on someone's five-year-old's chair? Oh, all the yeah. Time. Those are tiny chairs. All the time. You mean the saloon like space in the basement? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ten years, and we're still sitting on a five-year-old birthday party set, and it's so painful. And I'm almost holding my breath while I'm watching a show. Great yeah. shows there. Yeah. The cafe chairs at Ars Nova. I, my ass is just far too big for those tiny little circles. Yeah. Oh, the up, just, like bicycle yeah, chairs. Yeah, the upstairs ones. Up, upstairs at BAM. Yeah, at the Harvey Theater. Yeah. Those are the worst. Yeah, the, the, like upstairs they also have, the, it feels like you're, a, like you're about to get your hair done. It's yeah. like, <laughs> ugh, I hate those chairs. And it's also because they're so steeply raked, it's like you're high up. I, I get vertigo every time I sit up there. Well, that's because your feet like, can't touch the ground. <laughs> that is. Ooh. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> so shady. So much shade. Oh. Okay, next uh, question. Okay, don't touch the table. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> what shows did you cry out this year? All of them. Oh my God. I, uh, Marjorie Prime, cried Marjorie Prime. Uh, John, Airline Highway. I, just, I sobbed through a lot of shows this year. I had a lot going on, you guys. And I just cried. I cry at all of them. I'm I'm, I'm a total tear jerker. Tear, no, that's not the right word. <laughs> wow, I'm a sap. that's what we cry at you. I'm sorry. I'm a total sap. I cry at a lot of things. I obviously told you I bawled during Color Purple. Mm. Um, I cried a lot during a View from the Bridge for some reason. The end of that just got me. Um, I I cried at Fun Home. Ugh, I was. Oh yeah, I cried at Fun Home. I oh man, did I cry at Fun Home? home. I ugly yep. cried at oh, Fun Home. They and I cried like, at Hamilton, actually. Okay, yeah, I cried yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. I cried at all of those. Um, I also cried at uh, uh, Allegiance. Totally cried. Terrible, but cried. Um, Goldberg. Cried during the Goldberg variation. You did? I don't know how people can listen to that music and not at some point cry. It was one of the most pleasant naps I've had in forever. <laughs> wow. That's not an insult. That is entirely... Part of the intention of that show, I believe, is just to lull you into a state of comfort. Yeah, yeah. Um, I cried at Backstage in Biscuitland, which is allegedly coming to New York, or coming to America, so people should see that. Um, yep. Uh, lots of those, plus the Honeycomb Trilogy, I cried at multiple points through all three of the plays. I feel like everyone's said my answers. I'll just add Eclipse. Yeah. I cried at, and... Uh, Aqua Vite is a fine cuisine restaurant, <laughs> <laughs> and their the the presentation of their food is so theatrical. It takes you on a journey, and by the end, I got a little teary eyed. <laughs> but we, how uh, were the chairs? The <laughs> chairs were Star Wars Death Star like commander chairs. They were great, and by the end, we had traversed the entire Swedish winter. From the beginning of like this cold stew that was bubbling up in a cauldron to the end, which was like a winter sun. At, and they served this dessert, which was just like an orange on this ice. Amazing. And it was a telling of a story of like the seasons through food. And they explained the food to you. So it was theatrical and it was beautiful and someone else was paying for it. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's key. That's why I was Someone crying. was paying for it. I was so okay. I would. Uh, the first show I saw when I got back to New York from Utah was Futurity. And this is not a show that starts out in a sad place. Um, so I sort of like a little weepy through the first song, just so happy to be back in New York and back in the theater. And then the second song, also not sad, 
just really started sobbing. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> and I was like, this must be so confusing if these performers can see me in the audience. They must think like a family member passed away. <laughs> because what's happening on stage? Not sad, not, not sad. I was just really overcome. I was so happy to be there. Uh-huh. Um, I don't cry at a lot of shows. The tears I do usually, when I do cry, it's like not sadness or like being moved. It, it's it's like inspirational tears. It's yeah. like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm watching. thing I will say that was in particular about Fun Home is because I don't even know how many times I've seen that show, but I cry every time in the exact same places, which doesn't make any sense. I know it's coming. I know yeah. this show like the back of my hand, and yet it gets me every single time. It's changing my major to Joan, by the way. Yeah. I just uh, pull too. like a baby uh, every time. Too. Every time it's just so beautiful to me. Um, That's fair. And, I cry in different places every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but in terms of, uh, actually, I, besides Fun Home, the only time I cried through was actually at a Fringe show. I was so, um, it was called A Broken Record. Uh, and I... Cried because it was a first-time writer writing a play that was not... I, I, could, I could hear the voices of teachers and other people and shade givers in theater like telling him not to write this play, and he did, and it worked. And there was something about the combination of those things. I just cried from like a, you did it, kind of perspective. Um, I love inspirational crying, by the way, when people achieve things like you said before, like... School of Rock made me cry because I was like, these kids are performing in that band. Oh, I, totally I don't know. Like School I, of Rock, yeah. There was like that moment where they all did it and it got me. Even though then I cried afterwards at their horrible portrayal of women. I'm more likely to cry at an inspirational thing than at a sad thing, for sure. I cry at movie trailers. It's just something about like anytime it's like big emotions on a yeah. big screen or yeah. big stage, like that'll do it for me. I also cry when people win awards a lot, which is a silly thing. But like, it's the achievement. It's yeah, inspiring. Yeah. I don't know if, like, if I need a good cry, I'll just watch Julie White win her Tony. <laughs> She's just so goddamn happy. Anyway, if you could revive one show from the last season, what would it be, Nicole? Um, I would go with an Octoroon. Because at first I was just imagining, like, can you imagine the fucking cotton balls shooting out at a Broadway audience? Like, that is just a moment that I want to see happen. I also want to see a show that's really raw and angry and sort of vital about race on Broadway, like a place where we're not having these conversations that often or the conversations we have tend to be a little bit more polite. Um, like, I just like the idea of that, like, like him, like giving himself a wedgie and dancing on a stage on Broadway. Like, I just, I, it's so impossible that that's why I want to see it. Because I think that's, I think Broadway, I know we've, we've opened up what Broadway can mean in a lot of ways. Fun Home and Hamilton have certainly sort of changed the conversation about what can succeed on Broadway. Um, I just hope that then we actually see more work, even if it's short runs, even if it's, you know, limited engagements, whatever, to give Broadway, which, you know, unfortunately just gets elevated as our, you know, like premier space, whether that's fair or not. Um, I want to see more stuff like that there. I have a point of clarification. Are we specifically talking about Broadway? To be put on Broadway? Yeah, because that was the question you sent us. Said oh, that, yeah, but- then that. Okay, because that changes my answer. Because a lot of the stuff that I love most, I feel like, would just drown on Broadway either because of the well, size feel free or because to of the audience. Clarify no, 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 and but, give that uh, answer. Well, uh, yeah. um, so the, the 
For Broadway, I mean, uh, on the last episode I talked about how Significant Other has had some buzz that I might go to Broadway. I'm 100% behind that. I would also love to see the Honeycomb Trilogy in a Broadway house. I think there are plays that would fit in a Broadway house if they could figure out the economics and the marketing to make that work. I think that would be great. Um, But if we're looking beyond Broadway, I'm really excited that one of my favorite plays from last year is getting a second life off Broadway this year, uh, this coming year, which is The Woodsman, which was at 59th, 59th last year. There's going to be at New World Stages this year. And that's like... Exactly the kind of show that like was I just I gushed about it when it happened and never thought I'd see it again and so like I'm really pleased that like they figured out a way to to give that a, a chance at a commercial run. I picked uh, not necessarily my favorite show the last year, but uh, I went with Nice Girl. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> cool female playwright, like female driven show. I like the story. I feel like it'd be a commercially successful show. And I'd like to see something like that run for a while. Um, and it was just a great show that I enjoyed. It wasn't like my favorite show, but overall I think it'd be a great production that could move. And I would love for that to have more of an audience. They did an all girls version of Macbeth with, at a girl's school. And it was at Juilliard. And it was one of the only times I've seen a school production Juilliard Northwestern New School, where I was like, I could see this on a Broadway stage. Uh, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, it was hilarious. It was scary. It was terrifying. And it was set in a girl's school. And at the very end, they begin stomping the ground, and the ground crunches under their feet. And they open up this pit. They're like dancing around and stomping on the ground. And the pit becomes the witch's cauldron that they're drawing things up at the, at the very end. So it was funny. It was scary. It made me look at Macbeth in a different way, uh, and it was very satisfying. And I think it could transfer and be done in a professional space. I would love to see, um, it closed at the early of 2015, but I would love to see a revival of The Last Ship. I loved Sting's musical uh, music in that show. I thought it was really beautiful. I think that he did something that a lot of rock stars don't do when they try and make a Broadway show, which is he really like studied theater and spent a lot of time building a, a very good score for Broadway. Um, I think it had some book problems. I would love to see someone try to redo that show in um, in the same way that The Color Purple was kind of reinvented this year. Uh, in a way, and you, it made you say, wow, this is actually a really great musical that deserved this. I think The Last Ship in a couple of years uh, deserves a, a new set of eyes. Yeah. I um I would say uh, the show I I think that would fit the best in terms of its scope and scale and what it's trying to do uh, is The Legend of Georgia McBride by Matthew Lopez, which played at MCC off-Broadway. It was extended a billion times earlier this year. I was completely surprised by how much I loved that show, it is especially also because it is so happy-go-lucky and earnest. It's basically the story of um, a, a straight man who be- who becomes a drag queen. Um, is And it's funny, and the actual like drag musical numbers are amazing, um, but it's not without a brain. It's bubblegum with a brain. Um, I just was so impressed with it. I was like, oh, why isn't this on Broadway? Like, this would be, I feel like this would be such a crowd pleaser, but one that you wouldn't feel guilty about being a part of the crowd that is pleased. Um, so yeah, Legend of George McBride. We have to wait till Kinky Boots close. There can only be one drag queen at a time. Kinky Boots will be open forever. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> God, I hope not. Okay, this wasn't on the list, but something David just said and something Jack said in the earlier half uh, made me want to ask this question. And I'll go first so that uh, you guys have a second to think about it. But 
What is a show this year that you didn't see that you are very sad to have missed? I am so, so sad to have missed the Honeycomb, tr- Honeycomb trilogy. Me too. I was so excited about the idea that they were bringing that back. And the fact that it fell just before I got back to the city was so crushing. <laughs> but I've heard great things about it. I'm so just proud of Gideon for putting that together and what a colossal production accomplishment that is for a small off off Broadway indie theater company I just think it's so fantastic that they did that I just I love that company I love that that show got raves and positive feedback and I am so so sad to have missed it I'll go next if um I for me a big love I think is at the top of that list which it's one of those shows that by the time I realized everyone was raving about it, it was it was gone and I just didn't didn't get in so many people still are talking about that as, as a highlight of the season. I loved that show. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, mine would be Honeycomb Trilogy. So I guess we kind of even each other out there. Saw it. Yay. <laughs> but not on one night. I saw it over three nights. And I told people to come and see it. And then the New York Times review came out. And it was too yeah. late. By the way, those are the least comfortable chairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say Ugly Lies the Bone and John were two plays. I, I came back mm. the week John was closing and I already was booked up with a bunch of shows to see and ugly lies a bone because of work. I get out at six. It takes at least an hour to get into the city and it's almost impossible to get to the theater. That's a baby Streep has facial burns show. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. right. Okay. That's the alternate title. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Lindsay Ferentino play, which I also really enjoyed too. Um, yeah, I I completely second, uh, big love. I'm so mad. I missed that. There's so many shows. I, I missed that. I just, you know, it's just, uh, I don't understand how you miss any shows. You see something every possible so, moment when the show because is Because theater is on. infinite there in New York City. There are so that's many shows. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I think about it all the time. It's like every show that I see, I'm missing three. That's mm. what I think about. I, I would say the Charles Francis Chan Jr. show for me because I went to see it. And it was the one night they canceled it because there was an injury in the cast and they had to recast and it was a whole thing. And so I was totally booked up for the rest of the run and couldn't go. And that was one that I was mad. I sort of, like, I, we talked about it earlier in the year. I was looking forward to it and now it kills me. Mm-hmm. But I try not to have much theater regret at this point. I haven't seen The Humans yet. I tried so hard to see it. Um, I know it's coming to Broadway, so I'll have a chance to see it again. Um, I'm also going to miss Her. Her, is that what I was saying? Here. 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 And I'm really upset about it. It closes on December 20th. No, no, I got another extension. Yeah, oh, through January. Shit, all right, well. It. I haven't seen it yet, and I hope that I have a chance to see it before it I closes. I need to see that, too. Yeah. Oh, we'll go together. Keep tickets. <laughs> all right, well, that's going to lead me to the next question. What shows, have you, what shows gave you an anxiety attack this year? Because the show that gave me an anxiety attack was here. I mean, that show is so intense. And for me, it really touched a very personal spot with just like internal family conflict. I sat through that whole show just on pins and needles. It was a very intense experience. Yeah. Not a, a positive one, but just very intense. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Brendan Jacob Jenkins, who made me feel like I was going to vomit at the theater like a yep. couple of times. For Gloria? Gloria oh, and yeah. an Octoroon uh. both like gave me really awful nausea pit of my stomach thought I wanted to puke sort of feelings like in a good way I was like I'm really proud that his plays are doing this but I also feel disgusting right now um and so I that was great I also want to mention um 
we all went and saw a show called Karaoke Bakai. And I don't want, <laughs> it's not the show itself, actually. But so we saw it and it was very experimental. And that's a kind a way of whole, putting it. A whole group of us saw it. And I felt so awful because as the show just descended, I, I was going, oh my God, I told everyone to come see this show. Oh, it's my fault. <laughs> oh, is there something I'm not. Is there something I'm not getting about this show? What's going So that gave me a lot of anxiety. And then as a, as a maximum rule, really, when we go see a show, we don't talk about it afterwards. So we sat at this diner just like making small talk. I was like, oh, my God, did everyone get the show but me? <laughs> Is everyone mad at me because I invited them? I don't... And then like in the last five minutes, I think we were getting up from the table. We were like, OK, so can we just lay this out here? How did we all feel? And so. It just gave me anxiety that entire time that I don't really remember much of the show, but I remember that feeling at the diner afterwards. Yeah. That is a special kind of theater anxiety. When yeah. you bring someone with you who you are concerned might not like the show and you kind of watch them watch the show. Yeah. And like, yes. Is this a positive or a negative reaction? You can't really tell. That's a special kind of theater yeah. I get that a lot when I love a show and I bring someone to a show I love and I can tell they're not liking it. And I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? Well, then you have to walk out afterwards and end your relationship with them. Yeah, no, yeah, I just never And then you cut all ties and you walk away. Yeah. Although it's funny, I feel less about that when it's with other friends who I know are theater goers and see lots of things sure. and get it. It's more like the visiting relatives thing where oh, like, yeah. if I yeah. recommend something and they don't love it, I feel like... Like I've just ruined their vacation, or well, totally, and then they yeah. never go to the theater again, right, and yeah. you've ruined theater. So yeah. you just cut ties with them. You just cut that no. family off. <laughs> yeah, move. I, I, I want to second uh, 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 Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. Uh, Gloria, at this point, when I go see a play by Brandon, I know when I sit down that he is going to fuck with my shit in some way, and the anxiety comes from not knowing what it is yet. And I sat there in Gloria, and I was just like, what are you going to do to me? And the whole first yeah. act before, of course, the inevitable fuck with my shit moment happened, um, I just was completely having a panic attack during the whole thing. Just, I had to see it twice just because I was so not listening to so much of the first half <laughs> of the show because I was so worried what he was going to do to me. And then once I knew it, I could go back and appreciate it. But yeah, fuck you, Brandon. I've never been so grateful for obstructed view seats as I was at that show. Uh, oh. Because the front the front row were sold oh, right. cheap yeah. for obstructive view, and you couldn't see a lot of the stuff that was the, the most visually disturbing. Yeah. 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 I missed that show, and I, I wasn't in New York City. I wish I could have seen it. But we read it in class, and I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, in fact, played the black guy oh. in all three of those oh. acts. There's a, by the way, uh, Rob Honorado wrote a really great piece for HowlRound uh, a couple weeks ago, by the time you listen to this, about Gloria and Columbinus and the use of. Um, stage violence, which I highly recommend everyone check out if you're interested. So I get anxiety in shows when a show starts and I'm like, oh no, I don't like this. Oh no, no, no. I'm not enjoying this. I'm uncomfortable with what they're saying. Uh, or, or how is this going to play out? And that's the sort of anxiety I get. Um, I had that two or three times this season coming up to the top of my mind. One was daddy long legs, which I was like, I was like, Oh shit. Oh shit, shit, shit. I'm really uncomfortable by this entire scenario of a young girl relying on an older man and calling him daddy. It's just the whole thing made me super uncomfortable. Um, I also had major anxiety during first daughter suite actually, cause I, I did not immediately like it. And I spent the entire first act going, Oh shit. I really, I begged Nicole for this ticket. I wanted to see it so badly and I'm not enjoying it. But then the second act was brilliant and I really loved the second act. Um, I had also different type of anxiety. I don't really like performance, um, participation. Like I don't want to be a part of the show. So, uh, 
last January I saw Bridget Everett show at Joe's pub and I was like, I had total anxiety the whole time. I was like, please don't talk to me. Don't, I don't want your breast on my face at all. Even though I love you and I think you're a queen and a God and I'm obsessed with you. Please don't touch me. Um, but those were the three that popped in the top of my mind. I share that anxiety yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. With that same feeling, Pilates at La Mama right now, and it is pronounced that apparently, but the Greek myth, it begins in the uh, outside area where they tell the audience, okay, the performance begins in the lobby. And I immediately had that anxiety of, oh no, don't do this to me. And they let you into the theater. You could sit wherever you want. And I immediately sat far in the back. I didn't want them touching me. I didn't want, because I knew it was going to have nudity, fake sex, and bodily fluids. And sure enough, the play began, and they invite the audience on stage, and they're dancing and gyrating, and then people start getting naked. And I was telling my friend, you see, this is why I was sitting <laughs> Is this still back. playing? Can I get a ticket? Yeah, yeah I was about to say, David, let's do and this. And the thing is, it's so frustrating because it's like, okay, you're going to have na- naked sex, all this stuff. Let's screw. And there was this weird internalized homophobia where the guys are screwing the girls but when it came to guys screwing guys it was this it was this weird like kiss fight scenario where it's like I'm bringing you in but now I'm fighting you and it's like dude just kiss that's how you guys do it right yeah we're like oh I'm so angry and I want to kiss you but fuck you just bros being bros (laughs) I wanted them to be like dude if you're gonna do an orgy do a real orgy have the guys kiss the guys have the girls kiss the girls and have it be honest mask for mask (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have, I have a, a bonus of thing that made me really anxious. Anxious when I saw Toast, um, David Diggs was in front of me, like two rows in front of me, oh, and, and I had just seen Hamilton. I was like, Oh my god, it's that guy with the hair! Oh my god. Uh. I saw the flick sitting right behind uh, Sam Gold and while I was in previews. And that was like, I was like, oh my God, like uh, he can hear all of my reactions to the show and he's taking notes and, and what, what, how am I affecting this and how am I affecting him? And then, ah. You've changed the whole show now. Right? <laughs> I've actually like gone over a lot of my participation anxiety, which I feel like is, you know, if we're doing theater therapy, like the things I've done this year, I wouldn't have done two years ago. And like, there was, so you were in that orgy that he was talking well, about? Well, like there was a moment in Edinburgh where an audience member was invited to get on stage with the performer, get, climb into a bag and get naked. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. And some other guy came running down the stairs first and beat me to it. But I was like, I could totally do this, which I would never have, you know, it was incredible. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was like an ode to Yoko Ono. <laughs> Of course. It was called, oh no! (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to call it, I guess? What's the best thing to do immediately after seeing a show? Pee. (laughs) Beat the crowd out of the front door. Oh yeah, I'm like like in a heist movie when it comes to getting out of a theater. I'm always the first one out. I I feel like being small people, we we have an advantage about that. You can kind of like zip in and out and you just like... But you don't, you don't leave before curtain call. Oh, or, no, no, right, no, never. I, I don't know. I stay. I stay until everyone clears out, and then I leave. I'm a weirdo. Mm. I like doing that, too, sometimes. But I don't know. I, but I think it go somewhere that you can talk and have a drink. And yeah. Like, well, if you're in the village, go to Van Leeuwen, the ice cream shop, or Big, Big Gay Ice Cream Shop. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Which are great. They're open late. Van Leeuwen's great for vegan ice cream. Mm. And Big Gay Ice Cream Shop has amazing medleys they of do. gay ice cream. Uh, and in the theater district, I'm always the one hurting people to schnippers because, like, yes. you can get a meal or you can get a drink. Like, that beer and yeah. wine and milkshakes. Um, and there's, like, especially after theater, there's, like, always seats. And it's not the, like, you know, $50 meal at Joe Allen. 
Yeah, I got to be honest. I go uh, from Signature to Schnippers and get a fried chicken sandwich. Like that's I've done that many times. Yep. It's my favorite. I've totally fallen into the schmackeries cliche, guys. <laughs> I don't know whether whether it's like my desire for sweets all the time or my Makes desire you feel like an insider. Yeah, or like just you know a general interest to see the latest cast member from Newsies just hanging out there. Um, but the line but yeah. is so huge. It's becoming like know. Shake Shack. Yeah. It the is. line is I'll out wait. the door. Those cookies are damn good. What's your favorite cookie? I try. I, this is a really important <laughs> question. I'm so glad you asked. I actually change it up pretty frequently. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like to just see what I'm kind of in the mood for. They have a Funfetti one that's a good gold oh, standard. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a good that's gold all standard. Funfetti and nothing else. And if I get there and they don't have them, I am mad. For Thanksgiving, they had a candied yam special. That was I so had that good. one. It was really so great. Good. You guys have spicy cookies with like cayenne pepper. Ooh. So you get the savory maple bacon, and sweet. Y'all, no one's mentioned the maple bacon. That was oh, I like the, the Elvis one with the yeah. peanut butter bacon. That one was good. Mm. Vegetarians. Hey, Schmackers, yeah, are you listening? Are you listening to Get your meat out of my sweets. Actually, their Rice Krispie Treats are also delicious because they mix them with like other kinds of cereal. So it's like a Rice Krispie Treat, but maybe with also Fruity Pebbles Fruit Loops. or Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms. The Lucky Charms one Cocoa is delicious. We delicious. are really gunning for that Schmackery sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Come guys, on, y'all. I'm this, sorry, but like, I feel like I want to start an abstinence-only campaign called uh, Get Your Sweets Out of My Meat. Get Your Meats Out of My Sweets. Get Your Meats Out of My Sweets, <laughs> for sure. I also, I gave up sugar for the entire month of December, and this is horrible. Sorry, right I heard now. that as I gave up share, and I was about to have a heart attack, oh, no, and then I, didn't I, didn't I realized I gave up sugar, sugar. fine. Why yeah. December? That's the worst month to do or it. Or the best month to do it, because I'm not eating all of it, because it's everywhere all the time. Mm. But I'm seven pounds down, and it's 12 days in, so wow. I'm just telling Whoa. you guys. Goodness. I ate a lot of sweets. Good job. Thanks. Jack, did you want to add anything to this conversation? You've been kind of quiet. No, I, I, I'm really boring when it comes to it. I just, I more often than not, just go immediately to the subway and go home. And then, like, on, on the train, I'm, like, typing up my, you know, thoughts sort of it. And yeah, then, like, just, really, and that's it. I didn't understand this question because my prepared answer is jerk off to photos of Sam Gold. <laughs> 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 I don't know what else you do after the Well, no, no, that's what I do at intermission. <laughs> that's what I do at intermission. But immediately after the show, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super boring. I don't like to go out and get, I mean, sometimes, like, it depends on if I'm going with friends or something like that, or if it's a show that I'm working on or I know people involved, I'll get a drink. But I'm also one of those people that if I do go out afterwards, I'm out for, like, three hours and... I don't I, want to be that guy. I notice that when I see theater by myself, I am more likely to go for a long walk rather than hop right onto the subway. And I don't know if that's like the influence of the Fitbit era, but like, like if I see a show at Lincoln Center, I'll walk down to 14th Street before I get on the subway. Just and like part that's of that awesome. is just like I've been sitting in a room for so long that I want to like move around. And I also think it's a way to like collect your thoughts. I'm actually curious to know for folks who are uh, frequent um, reviewers of shows, Nicole, Dave, David. Do you, when do you record your thoughts about a show that you've seen? The next day is always for me. I can't do it that evening. I have too much going in my mind. I need kind of like the space of sleep and some time not thinking about it to collect my thoughts. I mean, I take note. I mean, I start writing my review on my notes on my iPhone on the subway ride home. Um, and then I email myself that draft and work on it over time. And I also take notes during the show, which I rarely look at, but... I feel very compelled to. Um, somewhere in between. Um, it depends on, honestly, it depends on what my schedule is for that week and like when I'm going to have the time to write it. But also occasionally if they're like specific, I don't take notes during the show anymore because I found that for myself that 
it was like too hard to do that in a coherent way and like keep my focus. But often like right after the show, I'll like jot down a couple of lines that like, I want to make sure I remember or like people that I want to make sure I name. Um, but then either that night or likely the next day, I'll actually like write it up into a review. Anyone else on note taking or when you write down your notes? I never take notes. You just rarely don't take notes. Just spill it out. I definitely take notes throughout the show and I look, I look at them when I write my reviews simply because I'm trying to remember the things that compelled me throughout the show to write something down. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm glad I've written them because it's like, Oh, there's a quote there that I really wanted to use. Or even sometimes it's just the coding of like, wait, which actor was which character or everybody's name, Bill. Ah, you know, like or something like that where you're like, I just need to keep track of who's who. Yeah. Too many white people. I can't tell them apart. <laughs> Epidemic. What is your favorite producing group? This can be a theater, a collective, whatever. I feel like I haven't really been able to talk about how much I enjoy seeing classical theater of Harlem um, mm. on this podcast. I've been going to their shows now for a couple of years. I love going to their Shakespeare in the Park uptown. Um, I love what they bring to Shakespeare. It's not, it's not fussy. It's not reverent. And they make bold choices and the choices always make sense. And they're always interesting and different and change the way I examine a play, which is very hard to do with Shakespeare. And it never feels forced. And I just, it's like one of my favorite things to do in the summer. Now I've gone the last three years and it's lovely. Despite the fact that I, ragged on their chairs. Ars Nova, I think for me this year was a place that, um, I mean, they produce small mouth sounds, futurity, all the showgasms with John Early, who I love. Um, and I just, I love that, that sort of spirit in that space and the, the work that they're supporting and the artists that they're supporting and with Ant Fest, like, I feel like it's the kind of place that for me, I'm sort of, you know, putting a pin in for the future where it's like, I want to follow these artists out of Ant Fest and see where they end up in the future, because I think they're just developing some really interesting voices there. I'm super in it for the public theater. Like there are lots of nonprofit theaters that I like and that I have memberships to, but I feel like the public has been the most consistent over the years that I've lived in New York of having like a wide range of things that both interest me and challenge me. Um, And I'm more likely to go to a show at the public simply based on the fact that it is at the public than I am at almost any other theater. And Joe's pub too. Ah, yes. I love Joe's pub. I'm going to go with the three B's. Uh, Bax, BAM, and Back, Barishnikov Art Center, Brooklyn Arts Exchange, and Brooklyn uh, Academy of Music, and just the wide range of performing arts that they have at those three institutions in various stages of production. Bax is more a beginning stage workshop. Barishnikov Art Center is more like advanced workshop. And of course, BAM is short performances around the world that are more finished and polished. Yeah, I mean, I uh, let's see the the people that I feel like have been on fire this year uh, that I just adore um, are Soho Rep. Um, I want to give a huge shout out just because it is an anniversary year for them, but for Natco, uh, Natco had two yeah. really great shows this year: mm-hmm. a revival of their Awake and Sing, which we hosted at the Public Theater, uh, and then uh, Lloyd Saw's Charles Francis Chan, which is one of the few times they've ever done an original uh, a new play. Um, and it was you know the big question was could they do it and. Boy, did they. Um, I also got to give a shout out to Gob Squad. I think they've had a great year. Um, all the shows they've done this year have been fascinating to watch. Um, and it's great to see them have more and more of a, a presence uh, in the United States. Uh, yeah. I, I don't find myself as drawn or, or maybe not paying attention as much to producing groups. Or, um, 
but I do think that the roundabouts 50th season has been really extraordinary. So I'm kind of going to give them praise for putting together kind of a superstar celebration for their 50th. Okay. Last two questions. Um, what are you most excited about in the upcoming season? I'm really excited that the Pearl is doing a full production of stupid fucking bird. Um, yeah, I'm they did a reading that last year that just, that's what inspired me to like start my Chekhov deep dive, which is now in pro- progress because it is a, a contemporary play by Aaron Posner that uh, is, it takes the seagull as it's jumping off point. Um, and I just, I thought it, it was so good as a reading. I can't wait to see it fully staged. Yeah. I feel like that's a show that's been everywhere, but here recently, and I've been dying to see it. It's one of the most produced shows in America. Exactly. Yeah. Like but, and in a year when we had Songbird at 59 East 59th, yeah. and there's a new movie version of The Seagull written by Stephen Karam, I believe, uh, coming out this year, it's just like, it's a great year for The Seagull. Yeah. There it is. Um, oh, it's Stu's new show that's supposedly coming up. The Total Bent? Yeah, Total yeah. Bent. I'm excited to see that. Um, it was one of the reasons I was a public member and that I didn't get to see it. <laughs> so I want that. And Ars Nova season looks really good coming up. Yeah, their Underground Railroad game show. Yeah, like, what, what the hell? I'm so excited. It sounds bizarre. I know. I've never been to Ars Nova. Will one of you? Oh, yeah. you serious? Oh, oh my God, we have to go. You'll love it. You'll have a good time. I'm going to say Playwrights Realm and Mufanisa Adolfia Sojourner. Yes. I read her trilogy years ago, so I can't wait to see this. It's going up, I think, in San Francisco and someplace in Boston, so I'm glad it's going to finally be here, and hopefully this will kick off the other two or three plays being done. It's not yeah. a trilogy. It's actually like... Oh, there's more. Yeah, Eight I think or nine I, plays. Yeah, right? oh, I think I'm up to five now. Okay, uh, in terms of what I've read, but yeah, I mean, Anthony says a good a good example of like I'm looking forward to a season of really doubling down on some of these playwrights who have been stuck in development hell yes. for years and years and years. And Emphonis was one of them. Um, actually like giving her a shot, uh, on the Jihei major Park stage. G. Hay Park, of course, uh, my beloved G. Hay Park, um, she's getting free doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't wait to see American Psycho, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's so like Broadway focused again, but I, I just, love that you're here because I feel so edgy sitting next to you. I know. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. I'm so mainstream and boring, no, you but get extra no, it's great. It's international. Yeah. 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 I want to see it. I'm just, I, I love that, that book and I love that movie and I'm just excited to kind of see what they do with it. I'm, I don't know. And I really think that, um, and Benjamin Walker on Broadway. Yeah, and Ben Walker is fucking awesome. Is and that confirmed? It yeah. is confirmed, mm-hmm. yeah. They keep delaying it in the last few years. Oh, you're right, yeah. And now we're here. And, um, and I, you know, I don't hate the music of Spring Awakening as much as other people do, so I'm interested to see what Duncan Cheek does with it. Well, he's, it's got a different lyricist. It does. That it makes all oh, the difference. Yeah. <laughs> That'll fix it. I have, like, a ton of plays that I had on my list, but I'll just sort of, like... Um, the new Anne Washburn play that sounds vaguely like The Big Chill, but yeah. by Anne Washburn. Anne Washburn, yeah. Where, where is that? That's at Playwrights Horizons Antilia Pneumatica. No idea how to say that. Uh, Body of an American. Finally, America is getting, or New York is getting a, a production, the Dan O'Brien play at Primary Stages. Um, Stephen Karam's adaptation of The Cherry Orchard, which will be directed by Simon Godwin at Roundabout next year, which Simon Godwin is this British director who's been doing these like epically long plays and like actually making them make sense. Like plays that don't make sense, he's finding um, clarity for. So I think that'll be really interesting. Is that this season or is that for the It's 2016 next season. season. So it'll start in the fall. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know when okay. in 2016. Right. 
but it said 2000. It's just like, that's not even on my radar, but I totally want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then War by Brandon Jacob Jenkins. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> With Tonya Pinkin. So. Has anybody seen those paper bullets yet? Yes, uh, I saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I want to hear about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Okay. But I'm looking ah. for, I mean, I mean, it's opening soon, but I'm looking for, I love Billy Joe Armstrong. And he, I, he, I mean, in brief, um, it's the kind of show that like 40 years ago would have been so cutting edge and awesome. And I kind of left my head, left scratching my head thinking like, well, I guess they finally made Shakespeare accessible to baby boomers. Like I'm not like there were, I liked a lot of the individual elements, but I, I'm not sure that like the marriage of the Beatles and much ado about nothing left me feeling like I had a deeper or richer understanding of either the Beatles or much ado about nothing. What's yeah. the price point? Is it worth $20, $30, $40 ticket, $10? I saw it for 20 and I thought it was generally worth it. Okay. 20. Right. I'll try to get a 20. <laughs> <laughs> right. Final question. What? what performer performance this year moved your number on the Kinsey scale? Brought to us. This is the honorary Isaac Butler. <laughs> that's a great question. I, I think that's the same answer I had last year. Is that okay? Which is Molly Pope. Oh yeah, forever yeah. and always. Yeah. Rebecca Naomi Jones. Oh, I love yes. her so much. Not just because she was naked in the entire top of Big Love, um, <laughs> which she spent a lot of time in the bathtub. But then I also saw her again in Hedwig. <gasps> She's just so cool. She's oh, so great. I want to be amazing. friends with her or maybe date her. I don't even know. <laughs> That's how it begins. <laughs> I have a, a I'm going to just say what it is and then explain it. But it's the entire uh, male half of the cast of Hamilton. And it, the thing is about those gentlemen, uh, David Groff, um, sorry, uh, <laughs> Chris Jackson, is that it's it, it, my day job is such that there's always lots of beautiful people kind of milling around the sort of the back hallways of where I work. Um, but those guys in particular, uh, just having them around, I would get a flutter. I would get a flutter watching David come in from a run. And, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? The rest of the table um, just swoon. You know, hearing, hearing, hearing Jonathan Groff warm up in the stairwell. Like, I, I'll miss those moments of, like, heavens to Murgatroyd that I would get. And it was just, um, yeah, that was, um, I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> My theatrical highlight of the year was being at the Hamilton Lottery and seeing David Diggs uh, like show up for half hour in a tank top. <laughs> Adult Ballets is a lesbian ballet performing arts group in Brooklyn. And as someone who identifies as a gay man, uh, I do have an attraction to certain type of women. And Adult Ballets has these muscular but feminine women with short haircuts doing these dances and i feel something uh it's it's very bizarre <laughs> i i'm like oh and they're women i'm not like oh i could picture them as a guy these are women you they look like women but they they have like a, a a muscularity to it to their femininity that's so sexy that my kinsey meter moves a little bit towards hetero <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Um, it's funny because I was thinking a lot about this question and I realized that all the female performances 
this season that really got me to have that moment of like, oh my God, we're all playing lesbians. So I think that maybe as a gay man, that speaks to it too. So I was like struggling with, oh, Beth Malone was so great. And she really like yes. in, in, in Fun Home and, uh, and Emily Skaggs too. But I, um, I think that really it's Color Purple, Cynthia, um, whose name I... Arrivo. Arrivo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Cynthia Arrivo is so fucking good in this production. And she is so good as this character and was a t- true revelation. And you're talking about a show that has, you know, uh, Jennifer Hudson right there. Right. So you would think like, Oh, okay. You're, you're going into a production. You're just gonna be like, Oh, Jennifer Hudson, my goodness. But she completely holds her own. It's, it's actually brilliant how people like Jennifer Hudson and, and Daniel Brooks, um, blend into this cast. It's, it's beautiful. And she was fantastic. Yeah. It's really a true ensemble. That group. Sure. Um, for me, it's Zainab Ja. Another yeah. public theater folk um, from Eclipsed. Um, like she walks on stage with this like machine gun. Oh, the rocket launcher. Oh my god! And the rocket launcher. And you're just oh, sort yes. of like, yeah, okay, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, what's her name? Zainab Ja. And what's your cat's name? Her name is Zainab. <laughs> <laughs> Presented <laughs> without commentary. Wow. I mean, the fierce ladies what can I say yeah. can I also just throw in Seikon who plays number yeah. one in that show yeah. I also have a bit of a thing for Seikon <laughs> hey Seikon how you doing it's been a good year for uh, alumni of Holler if you hear me oh that's good good for yeah. them <laughs> alright everyone thank you so much this was a lot of fun as Yay. always yeah. wow that was, that was the so lowest sad. energy go Thank you so much for joining us for this year end episode of the Max Mu Theater and Performance Podcast. You can find us all on Twitter. Max Mu is at Max Mu. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. Liz is at Miss Liz Richards. Dave is at Nine Daves. Nicole is at Mildly Bitter. David is at It's D. Levy. Oren is at Oren Squire, and I'm at Lindsay Barons. We'll be off next week enjoying the new year and return the following week with an episode previewing the New York City January Theater Festivals. See you then.